Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. Uh, on my actual right is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing extremely well today. It was a, you know, a lot of people thought about football yesterday, but we had some baseball history go into the books yesterday, which was very awesome to see, in the Padres-Dodgers game specifically. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you see when you see history being made in this way, you know, you never know the exact day, but you know it's coming, and uh, finally it was able to happen, and we were able to see a specific right-handed pitcher go into baseball immortality. That's right. Very few people have done it. A lot of people were wondering when it was going to get done, because like you said, you knew it was coming. You know, we had been leading up to this moment. Uh, he had been... Uh, progressing really well in the recent future, uh, recent past with his performance uh, with the team that he was acquired with, acquired from within the last year plus. Yeah. And uh, it, it happened yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for those unaware, obviously, you know, we have to preface these things because not everybody, not everybody's completely up to date. And we understand that uh, as the regular season is winding down. Uh, right-handed pitcher for the Padres, Austin Adams. First pitcher since, what, 1922? Uh, to have at least 23 hit by pitches, but the rate at which he is uh, plunking these batters is quite amazing, as he has done it in 48 and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, the next lowest um, amount of innings it took to get to what 23 hit by pitches was 161 and two thirds innings pitched. Right. He is he is on another level in terms of hit by pitch rate. Yeah, I mean, no one, no one does it like Adams. You know, we have, we have, we have truly never seen anything like this, and it's something that you just, you're gonna remember. We're gonna be talking about for the rest of the time the incredible Austin Adams 2021. And you know, he's 30 years old, which very seems kind of weird considering where he's at in his career. You know, he was a kind of a lifelong minor leaguer. He was acquired in a trade last trade deadline in 2020, where he went from the Mariners to the Padres, and, um. You know, he's been he's been really taking on a new role for San Diego this year. How about this, Chris? He only had two career hit by pitches when his career started in twenty seventeen going into this year, and now he's at twenty five. Yeah, I mean this is this is the type of growth that uh I mean it we're, and we're still we're still on our way up. I mean how many how many more guys can Austin Adams uh hit in a season? It's uh it just keeps going on up. Well, you know, we have another three weeks, uh, and you know, let's say Austin Adams were to pitch in, I don't know, six, seven more games this season. You know, we could, we might, dare I say, we could see thirty. Yeah, it's, I, it certainly isn't likely, but the, with the way he's going recently, I think he's hit five batters in the month of September. I mean, it's who's the who? Don't tell me, don't tell me the odds. Yeah, this is like, yeah, you know. You can compare it to, well, I mean, I guess he's already broken the record, so it's not exactly like the uh, the chase of '98, mm-hmm. but it's it's like uh, 
uh, I don't even know what to. Comp- it's maybe maybe it's like when uh, Ricky Henderson broke the stolen base record. It's like, mm-hmm. how much more is he going to be able to get? He's probably going to be able to get to a thousand. Maybe can he get to fifteen hundred? He he got he ended up going to fourteen hundred. How far is Austin Adams yeah. going to take this record? It's like um, when we were hoping Stanton would get to sixty home runs in twenty seventeen. We were like, how close is he going to get? Can he get there? He got to fifty nine, obviously. Can we see Austin Austin Adams get to thirty? What's your what's your thoughts? Um, you know, I think uh, I think it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough journey. Um, I, I hate to be a pessimist, but I think he will not get to 30 hit by that pitches. Is, honestly, that is fair. You know, maybe 25 would be a more reasonable pace. Yeah. I, because, I, I think I mean, he might you, get to 26. But but let's not forget who we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's, there's, very, there, you know, there's the many athletes that you just can never doubt no matter what. Tom Brady is one of them. Michael Jordan was one of them. Austin Adams. You can't doubt Austin Adams' ability to hit batters. Yeah, he's he just keeps on he keeps on coming through uh, day in and day out out of that Padres bullpen mm-hmm. and just you know putting baseballs on players and uh, <laughs> he's the best he's the best at that in the league. Um, <laughs> also, another thing that happened in that game, Max Scherzer got his three thousand strikeout. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was nice, and he got an immaculate inning. <laughs> and he almost threw a perfect game. Yeah, he had seven, what seven perfect, in- seven and a third perfect innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Eric Hosmer, the guy who was his three thousand strikeout, broke up, broke it up by hitting, I think, a double. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, definitely well earned double. He finally launched the ball uh, at the wrong time, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, congr- yeah, big congratulations to Max Scherzer, and it's. It's one of those milestones where it's like it's not really a celebration of his career because he's clearly he's been the best pitcher in baseball since he's got acquired by the Dodgers. I think he has an 0-2-6 ERA over his last like five X starts. amount of starts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, so, me, let me check. It is very funny. Like we're you know we're he's in the he's in the place of his career where he's getting to these milestones, three thousand strikeouts. Uh, he's he's at 189 career wins, so he's going to be at 200 soon. Like we're still talking about a multi-year deal that he's going to get in the off season. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not like the Miguel Cabrera 500th home run. It's like Max Scherzer's still he's still got he's still got some some more milestones to accomplish ahead of him. It's not like we're taking these accomplishments as like an invitation to like remember the good old times. Like this is still Max. He's an 0.88 ERA with the Dodgers and 51 innings pitched. Yeah, the fact and yeah, the fact that uh, he got an immaculate inning on his way to the three thousand yep. strikeout, and that shows you everything you need to know about where he's at in his, in his career. You know, the seven and a third perfect innings uh, in that start. I mean, it's it shows you everything you need to know about Max Scherzer's career and, and where he's at. It almost feels like his peak is still coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, it's like, hey, when Max turns this corner here, like, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all he, yeah, were the Nationals holding him back? <laughs> is that is that what we're uh is that what we're talking about here? His career ERA is currently at 3.14. Can we see it go below 3? Yeah. <laughs> are yeah, are we just going to see an an RJ uh type career? I mean, we already have one parallel for that guy, but Yeah. Uh yeah, are we just going to see him Are we just going to see him keep going? I think he just forges his own path, really. Yeah. But I mean uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, when you when you look at when guys got like their three thousand strikeout in recent memory, I guess Verlander did it kind of the same way Scherzer did in that 
you know, he was in a very good spot in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, I hope he doesn't continue on that path, though. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, and then who who's the who's the guy before him? Oh, CC. CC. Yeah. CC was different. CC. Well, CC was a very different archetype of pitcher. He was more for longevity. wasn't as much of a strikeout guy on a per batter basis, but especially later in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, still, hey, CC's a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah. Let's not let's not pretend like that isn't a thing. Oh yeah, exactly for sure. Um, not not putting any uh bad you know no. bad juju on him, but but yeah, Scherzer. I mean, it it's almost like. The 3,000 strikeout is like the third thing you can talk about with Max Scherzer You want right to know now. something amazing? So Max Scherzer's ERA this year as a whole with the Nationals and the Dodgers is a 2.17. His career best ERA in a single season is 251. So, yeah, he's going to... He's going to surpass that by a mile at age 36. After three Cy Young Awards, too. Yes. After three Cy Young Awards. Uh, it's also his... Let's see, where does his FIP rank? Okay, his FIP isn't as cool. It's one, two, three, four, five. It's his sixth best FIP, but you know what? I don't care. Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to be on my phone. I'm just looking at numbers for him as well mm-hmm. uh, because my Wi-Fi is not working on my computer, unfortunately. But I, I think there's probably some, some five-start span stats you could probably get from uh, Scherzer as he's had, yeah, I think uh let's look at last five starts one two three four five so we're yeah he hasn't given up a run he hasn't given up an earned run in his last four starts (laughs) with an 06 fip within no way (laughs) batters are opponents are slashing 120 137 160 for a 297 ops against his 41 strikeouts and one walk. Uh, that's that's pretty that's that's a joke that's a decent ratio i mean let me look at some four okay yeah let's see Four start spans. 41 strikeouts in one walk. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, like 40-plus 40 strikeouts, less than two walks, no earned runs. I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone else is doing that, if I'm honest with you. Maybe like Corbin Burns at the beginning of the season. Uh, I, well, I th- still think he might have given up like one earned run in a four-start span. <laughs> he probably would have. He probably gave up like three hits accidentally yeah. all in the same inning, yeah, all he, below like 88 miles exactly. per hour of exit velo. Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what Max Scherz is doing right now. What, like I said, the three thousand strikeout is like the fourth thing that could that comes <laughs> it up was with almost, Max Scherzer. Like, think about this. It it was almost not even the most impressive thing he did that day. Yeah, yeah. I like would he say- became he became, I believe, the second pitcher to ever have three immaculate innings in his career. I think it's him and Chris Sale. Dang. And then he became the the nineteenth member of the. 3,000 strikeout club, and then he almost became the 24th player to throw a perfect game. Yeah. It, yeah. No <laughs> all, words. All in the same day. No words. No words. All right. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at this this span here. All yeah. right. So let's go. So four-game span. We're going to go 25 innings pitched, uh, zero, zero runs. Are they – did he give up any – oh, he did give up an unearned yeah, run. Yeah, he okay, gave up so an unearned zero run. zero earned runs. Yeah. And then we're going to go 40, 40 plus strikeouts and one or less walk. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's stupid. And this might take a while to load, so we'll we'll take yeah, span, some time to Span Finder can be things. like that. And yeah, he's throwing himself right in the like Cy Young finalist conversation too. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, yeah, it's 
It's pretty insane. Like, literally a few weeks ago, you were saying Walker Buehler is the NL Cy Young. He's not even the best pitcher on his own team. Yeah, Like, now, not even close. Statistically, yeah. I, I didn't, Ooh. For some reason, I didn't forecast the four consecutive starts of no earned runs allowed for Max Scherzer. <laughs> this is a joke, man. So, there is one other pitcher who has ever uh, had this sort of span. Four-game four span, 25-plus innings pitched, zero earned runs, 40-plus strikeouts, and one or less walk. And it is one of Serger's teammates. It is Clayton Kershaw. Ha! <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> it's you Clayton got, Kershaw. You gotta be kidding me, man. Yeah, was that what, 2016? 15. 2015. Yeah. I just remember he had this crazy strikeout to walk ratio one year. I think it was one I think of it was years 15. Was... 15 was like, it, lo- it was looked at as a down year, but it's like he actually was still really good. Yeah, if Jake Arietta didn't have like. An ERA below one in the second half. Well, and Zach Greinke was, like, better that year, too, I think. Oh, yeah. You or can... at least, you know, by ERA standards. He had a 199 FIP in 2015. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, it just shows you where where the Dodgers are at. And it's a joke. They're still second place for yeah. some reason. <laughs> it would be very funny if the Giants still just fend them off the entire season and likely take them down in the playoffs if i mean i don't mean likely they would beat them i mean likely they would face each other in the playoffs yeah right right i mean two and a half how are the like sergio's gotta pitch the wild card game now assuming they i mean assuming they don't win the division which they very much could i think they're only two and a half games out at this point yeah yeah and the i mean if the padres are able to do better then they they're facing the giants well the Padres. yeah i was just saying the giant the, the padres marathon of facing the giants starts tonight yep it does. <laughs> it does. Every single, virtually every day. They have three more series against them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Max Scherzer is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, as as many of you probably already knew, uh, he is just, uh, you know, lighting the world on fire in, in these past four starts. And to add, all, add to all that, uh, 3,000 strikeouts he just accomplished. Uh, this past Sunday, very good, and it actually struck up uh, struck up an idea where, like, you know, we've had a lot of great pitching perform, great single game pitching performances this year. We've had, uh, oh wait, actually, probably before we get into this, we should talk about what happened on Saturday. We had another no hitter. Yeah, we did. We did. We uh, did have another no hitter. Corbin Burns went eight. Josh Hader went one. Uh, only one base runner allowed total. Uh, one of the most dominant uh, no-hitters, or you could argue the most dominant no-hitter this year, uh, at least, you know, definitely combined. Uh, just a very, you know, Corbin Burns was doing what he's been doing pretty much all year. Yeah, uh, he he pitched eight innings, zero hits, zero runs allowed, one walk and 14 strikeouts. Uh, the reason he was pulled early was, was because he had 115 pitches. Yeah. Uh, you know, Corbin Burns is... Very could be the Cy Young winner. There's certainly a case to be made. I think he's a one four eight FIP this season, which is just once again a joke. Yeah. Uh, I think the only person that's ever put up a better FIP in a single season was Pedro Martinez in 1999. Yeah, or at least in the live ball era. Yeah. 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 Shout out to what like Tim Keefe. Yeah, Tim Keefe is probably all over that. I think. I think I don't know. I wonder what Walter Johnson's best FIP was. Well, uh, there's a website where we could look it up actually. Oh, re- what really? It's called uh, baseball-reference.com. I yeah. I forgot my um encyclopedia today, so I'm glad mm. we have that. Uh, his career best FIP, yeah, <laughs> one nineteen ten. He had a one three eight FIP. 
Nice. Which is literally <laughs> one point lower than Pedro's. <laughs> yeah, quality. Literally a single point. And also, his second best was a 1-6. So, uh, Corbin Burns' best FIP, his FIP right now would be Walter Johnson's second best FIP in his career. <laughs> That's great. Shout out to the dead ball era. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to 110 career sh- career shutouts. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Corbin Burns just looking like he had all year. The uh, the Indians' expected batting average on the day uh, was 0.94. Yep. Which I think is the low. I think that's the lowest on any of the no-hitters this it year. It has to be. Uh, they only had two batted balls with a expected batting average above 300, and they were coincidentally both, I think, like 5.20 and 6.10. Yep. The 5.21 was that catch that Lorenzo Cain made mm-hmm. to end the eighth inning. And what's going to help the expected batting average is the fact that how many strikeouts did Hater have? I think one. So there were 15 strikeouts in the game. So I that's going to so. yeah, that's, that does that's gonna help. Because, <laughs> I mean, the expected batting average on a strikeout is a zero. Is a zero. Yeah, there's yeah. no 010s on strikeouts. Yeah, there's there's an OBP, not a... Yep, yep. It's very low, though. I mean, it's like below. It's probably below like 050 at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Burns, you know, went 115 pitches, eight innings, 14 strikeouts, and Hader uh, came in, had a one, two, three inning, and yeah, I mean, it, and Cleveland's been no hit three times, but four look, if you count the Rays combined no hitter in a seven right, inning game, right? Yeah, yeah, which you know that's, I mean, I wouldn't count that, but uh, they became the first team in baseball history to have no hits in four of their games in a season. Yeah. Uh, which you know that obviously is counting a seven inning no hitter, which mm-hmm. you know you know and it was a combined no hitter too, which is like the ultimate. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not surprised that you f- you forgot about it because I did too. I was like, when I went into that search in the eighth inning, I was like, all right, how many teams have been no hit three times in a season? And Cleveland was already there. I was like, oh yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> there was that other time. Uh. Um. But. Who else? Who else got no hit three times in a season? The nineteen oh six someone else. I don't remember. It was some wow. team from nineteen oh six. So yeah, maybe it was the Browns. So they were the. So they were already, but don't call me on that. They were already the first team, uh, in, in the, the live, live ball, ball era. era. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were already the first team in the live ball era to have that. To have no hits in a game, not to be no hit, because yeah. that doesn't count. Yeah, pretty much. Um. So yeah, uh. So yeah, I guess that's a segue into the. That's uh, a segue into you know an idea that both of us had. Uh, best pitching performances of the year. <laughs> I love how. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Because, um, yeah. Sorry if that was a little awkward transition as someone we. We're we're back in. Uh, by the way, yeah, we're back where this thing started. Kind of. Uh, yeah, kind we're, of. we're in the next room over. Yeah, we're in the same building as the as where this play where this thing started. And I mean, really, technically, it started in your in your dorm room freshman year. Right. We recorded for we're, like half a second. Yeah, and then our pre or the the club president texted, and we we're like, oh, I guess we can just go down now. Yeah, we can do that. But yeah, windows are back, so we're gonna be waving hi to people that we know, passerbys, and the. Uh, the president of uh, Birthplace Studios just walked by, so we had to, you know, for we were obliged to, otherwise we're exactly. ki- we're kicked out of the studio. Yes. Um. But yeah. <laughs> so if if there's any awkward pauses, we're probably waving to somebody. 
Um, I really wish there was some way we could get a hold of our first ever show that we didn't hear. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, if... October 1st, 2019. Yeah, because, yeah. I still have a picture of the prep sheet that you that you printed out and gave to me at the dining hall that day. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we knew, like, nothing about each other. We were just like, oh, he likes baseball. You know, we could talk baseball. Yeah. And you came in with this prep sheet. You were like, Max Serger's starting tonight for the Nationals. He has a 5.47 ERA <laughs> over his last five starts. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't, like, too out there with... Um, like whatever baseball takes i was just kind of like <laughs> quiet in my classes naturally. i remember i was like i was like i hope this kid like knows what like ops is i can explain it to him if i need to <laughs> but like you know like if he doesn't i can teach him <laughs> we'll just go along with it it would be funny if i if if i was just pointing out like uh not enough people are talking about this guy. He's got a 13 and 7 record this year <laughs> i mean he's coming in he's he's doing very well <laughs> but uh yeah that's you know, we're we're in the same building. And people see him as the fourth best starter on his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're they've got this weird. Uh, I mean, he's better than weird stat saying he's got a four seven seven ERA, <laughs> but I don't know what that is. <sighs> he's way better than that Degrom guy. Yeah, <laughs> that Jacob Degrom who's got <laughs> eight wins. He's he was ten and nine and eleven and eleven and eight in two consecutive years, and they gave him they gave him the award. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, we're back, we're back, uh, we're, we're back where this thing kind of started, but back to the subject at hand, best pitching performances of the year. Uh, we're, we've, we've done our top five. Uh, who's your number five for best pitching performances so of the year? So for my number five, I was at this, the game for that this team played the day before this. Uh, so I missed this by a day. Zach Wheeler on August 8th, ah. it was against the New York Mets. It was the day that they retired Roy Halladay's number, and in fitting fashion, he went out and pitched a complete game because that's what Roy Halladay would do more than anybody else in his era and more than anyone else we will ever see again. Nine innings pitched, two hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts, 22 swings and misses on the day, a game score of 93. Uh, that stealed a sweep and the eighth straight win for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, yeah, that was a very, very dominant performance. My number five is Spencer Turnbull's no-hitter. He had nine strikeouts, and the Mariners had a 129 expected batting average against, which out of all the no-hitters, I think it I think it has like I think it has like the second lowest expected batting average against. And uh gotta respect the complete game uh, uh, for sure, as noted. Uh and to snake it, my number four is uh Garrett Cole versus the Astros on July tenth. Uh, this is specifically because of circum circumstances. That's well. kind of why. That's kind of why I put Wheeler. Uh, because heading into the game, the Astros had the highest OPS in the league, uh, and he shut down that offense. Three hits, shutout, twelve strikeouts, and the Astros had a one forty two. One hundred twenty nine pitches thrown. He threw a hundred on the last pitch. Yeah, he did. Uh, Astros had an had a one forty two expected batting average against, and yeah, he went into the ninth ninth inning having thrown. 111 pitches and he yelled at his manager he went out he got the he got the shutout got the win in a two nothing ball game um and it was against what at the time was ranked the best offense in baseball so i i had to give uh had to give him that uh with the 12 strikeout performance what is your number four so my number four we just talked about it it was corman burns on saturday uh he went eight innings pitched Zero hits, zero runs, one walk, and 14 strikeouts. A game score of 95 and 26 swing, swings and misses on the day. 
Uh, obviously, no hits held the Cleveland offense to a you know 094 expected batting average for the game. I'm sure it was a little bit more maybe before uh, he departed, but yeah. nonetheless, he probably kept him under 100. And for my number three, I have a different Garrett Cole start. I have the one against the Angels that he had on September 1st of this year. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run allowed, zero walks, and 15 strikeouts. He had an 80-game score, but really, what really catches my eye is that he had 32 swings and misses. That is the most that anyone has had in a start this year. And keep in mind, he went seven innings. He didn't even pitch the eighth or ninth. And it's also tied for the second most swings and misses anyone has had in a game in the pitch-tracking era. Wow. Yeah. So Garrett go. Cole against the Angels, that was an incredible start. Um, so, yeah, I I should have kept track of swings and misses for uh, for mine. But uh, my number three is uh, Corbin Burns against Cleveland. Uh on this past Saturday, eight innings, 14 strikeouts, one walk, no hits, expected batting average below 100, I would assume, because the only batted ball uh, Hater gave up had like a 270 expected batting average, so it's not something that probably brought it down that much. So, yeah, I think Corbin Burns held them to an expected batting average below 100, which is very hard to do. I think we have the same top two. doesn't have to be in the same order, but I think we have the same top two. Probably, yeah. My number two is John Means' is no-hitter. Uh, 12 strikeouts, and the Mariners had a 117 expected batting average against. And I think out of all the no-hitters, uh, John Means had the lowest expected batting average against. That has to, that has to be like one-person no-hitters, right? Um, because you just mentioned Cleveland had oh, yeah, 94. Yeah, yeah. One-person no-hitters. It, it was the, uh, yeah, uh, out of the one-person no-hitters, had the lowest expected batting average against. And, uh, yeah, 12 strikeouts, no walks as well, only one base runner, so... Uh, yeah, John Means number two. What do you got for number two? I also have John Means as a no-hitter. It was on May 5th this year against the Mariners. He had 20, 26 swings and misses and a 99-game score. That is the highest game score in the history of the Baltimore Orioles slash St. Louis Browns. Regular season, postseason. Probably the single greatest pitching performance that franchise has ever seen. I will die on that hill. Nine innings pitched, no hits, no runs, no walks, 12 strikeouts. The only base runner was a drop third strike. It could have been a perfect game other than that. And the number one best start of the year as of uh, Monday, September 13th, was Jacob deGrom on April 23rd. Against the Washington Nationals, he had 29 swings and misses, a game score of 98, and he had nine innings pitched, two hits allowed, zero runs, zero walks, and 15 strikeouts. Uh, yeah, that that is also my number one. Yeah. Jacob DeGrand versus the Nationals, April 23rd. Two-hit shutout, 15 strikeouts, and the Nationals had a 100-flat expected batting average against. And that's actually the funniest thing about this performance is when you go into the exit velocity uh, list for that game and you type in DeGrom, uh, DeGrom hitting has the highest expected batting average. Two of the top three highest expected batting averages from that game. That means that the expected batting averages on the on the uh each individual batted ball on each individual batted ball uh the balls that DeGrom hit were better than the ones that he allowed for the most part and he had 3 of the top 6 expected batting averages on his name uh <laughs> so that means the Nationals were not getting any uh any good uh, any great contact on him i mean a 100 expected batting average on the day uh, we'll say that, and yeah, 15 strikeouts, and you got to give respect to the complete game, obviously. So yeah, those, you know, that's just like 
our, our own little clarification to see where we're at because we've seen a ton of great pitching performances, but we we had to see like where what we thought were the best of the year. Um, so yeah, that's what we got for uh, best pitching performances. Uh, do we want to get into uh, players to highlight? Uh, do we want to talk about the Yankees Mets game from last night? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't catch most of it. It was it was a great so it was a Sunday night baseball game obviously. Uh, Yankees Mets at City Field, the Subway Series. Um, really, I mean, most of the action happened in the, I believe it was the top of the seventh. John Carlos Stanton hits a two-run home run off Brad Hand to tie the game, six-six. And then, as he's rounding second, Baez starts chirping at him, and like they start like going at it as Stanton's rounding the bases, which is like, you see that like you see highlights of that occasionally, like in the minors or like in like random clips. You don't see that in the major leagues, like yeah. ever. So that was really cool. And then Francisco Lindor, the three home run game. Like that was such a perfect stage. It's it's the face of the team. It's against the Yankees on Sunday night baseball, three home run game, go ahead home run to win the game. Like that was just a really cool stage for Francisco Lindor to have his night. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was so important for him because of the stigma around I mean, the whole thing about around Lindor in Queens um, ever since he signed the contract has been pretty negative as he's had as he's underperformed a little bit this year and uh, and you know the thumbs down thing also didn't help because he you know was participating in that uh, but now he finally has showcased um, a, a reason for Mets fans to really like him as he had a, th- a three a three home run game against the Yankees on Sunday night baseball is gonna get any Mets fan to like you so. Uh, it was it was a big kind of redemption moment for for Lindor's first year. You know, maybe they don't make the playoffs, but this is a moment that Lindor knows he has for the for the 2021 season. He's he and Baez are just better together. Yeah, like they are much better as teammates than they are apart. And I think the Mets should really consider that when Baez goes into free agency this off season. Right. Exactly. Exactly. As you know, both of them. Have, have been doing pretty well as of late. One thing that I'm very proud of that I never addressed to you is that neither of us ever mentioned Francisco Lindor on Slightly Alarming, even though we had the easiest opportunity to do so. Yeah. Which I know that we try to keep it under the radar, and that would that very much would not have been as such. But, like, we both easily could have done it, and we opted not to. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was all, yeah, because it was a thing where too many people were talking about it. Yeah. It would be like if we did Shohei Otani as a, as as a, a how, how about, about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, did you guys know he's pitching like, and hitting? Yeah. <laughs> and if we compare this to Babe Ruth in 1919, <laughs> you've seen that graphic a million times already, probably, <laughs> if you've watched a broadcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad both of us both of us did uh, didn't do that. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, you know had his had a showcase moment with the Mets thus far, um, and yeah, the Yankees. The Yankees are uh, in fourth place in the AL East now. Yeah, they are. That's wild. I, I, guess I mean, Toronto sh- is like, I know they played Baltimore this weekend, but still, they scored 42 runs over three games played. Yeah, we should get into, like, this. There was a big change in the standings uh, over this past Quite weekend. Quite a significant change. As uh, the Yankees were not doing a lot of winning, um, and the Blue Jays have just been just an on update. Tear. Also, uh, the Yankees are losing four nothing in the first inning currently against the Minnesota Twins. Oh, it must be a makeup game. It is a makeup game, very much so. Yeah, um, Luis Heel has allowed two home runs: one to Jorge Polanco and one to Miguel Sano. Uh, all right. Well, Yankees 
not helping themselves. Uh, Which any- you know, I mean, this is Yankees Twins. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a very this is historically speaking, this is a very one sided matchup. So yeah, you can't put it past the Yankees to come back from this. But I mean, not the start that you want to have coming off of how you've played. Like, how have they played? What's their record since their their win streak ended? I know um, it's like really bad. It's, yeah, probably because I just remember they dropped the last two against Oakland, and it was like, oh, well, and then they lost the series to the Angels. They lost the series to the Orioles. Yeah, that was that's you can't be doing that. That was a new low. Uh, yeah, and then they lost the series to the Mets. All right, let me see. Since August twenty eighth, that's the day that the streak ended. So since the win streak ended, the Yankees thirteen game win streak. They are three and twelve. Holy cow! Wow, <laughs> that, uh, that is it took a second to hit me. That is the worst record in baseball, worst winning percentage in baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I was pretty into like the Yankees being back, and wow, and we kind of called it. I think last episode we talked about how um, Toronto was like the biggest or. Yeah, Toronto was 14-2 and two over that same time period. Yeah, Toronto was the most dangerous out of anyone that was outside of the playoff picture in the AL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they're coming up right now. They're uh, – well, how it, how it says it on uh, the MLB app is the Red Sox and Blue Jays are tied, but they have Toronto above Boston. Which so is very I guess, weird. I guess they would host the wild card game if the season. I mean, like we talked about a Yankees Red Sox wild card game and how we feel like home field advantage determines that and how the Yankees would most likely win if it's at Yankee Stadium. Yep. Nobody is going into Toronto and beating the Blue Jays this year in In a one game in a one game playoff. No. Maybe if you have three opportunities, you get one. Yeah, but but uh, you're not you're not doing that in a one like that crowd. First of all, like for all that they've been through, they didn't have their team for longer than anybody else. Uh, they're gonna have Robbie Ray on the mound for that game. They have one of the best. They have the best offense in baseball. I think we can safely say that. Yeah. Like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is heating up. Danny Jansen is heating up. Teoscar Hernandez is heating up. Um, like, and then Vlad Jr. is like, he's he's almost playing second fiddle to the offense, like the rest of the offense right now, which is just how crazy hot everyone else is. Right. Right. Um. So. Uh. For reference, uh, yeah, we have Blue Jays, uh, Blue Jays and Red Sox tied in the wild card uh, as the wild card uh, teams. Yankees are one game out, Oakland three out, and Seattle is also three out. Mm-hmm. And then strength of schedule remaining, uh, which is uh, pretty important at this stage of the year. Uh, Toronto has the thirteenth toughest uh, schedule remaining. Yankees have the twentieth. Red Sox have the twenty ninth. Uh, 29th toughest. toughest. So they oh, have so the, second the, easiest. Say the second easiest. Okay. So uh, just something to consider. Red Sox have six more games against Baltimore. Yankees have three more against Baltimore. <laughs> Toronto has three more against Baltimore. It's just who gets to feed off Baltimore. Yeah, Toronto has six against the Rays. The Red Sox have uh, none against the Rays, right? Yeah. Uh, Yankees have three against the Rays. They have three against so the, Red the Red Sox as well. Red Sox are in a decent position, at least strength of schedule wise. Uh, better than I thought maybe a couple weeks back. A couple weeks back, but yeah, that's uh, interesting. I mean, really, like at this point, how do we see this playing out? I do think. I mean, I do really think home field advantage is going to be everything. I think honestly, Chris, 
I see Toronto hosting. Mm-hmm. I th- I really do see it. Like the way that they've been, they've been playing right now, the way that their rotation as a whole has just had a revelation this year. Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz, uh, Rio has struggled a little bit here and there, but you know what? Like he doesn't necessarily need to be that guy anymore, which is I think big on him, and I think it could be better for him going into the playoffs. The Barrios obviously has been uh, what he's expected to be. Mm-hmm. Can I say some? Can I say a non-analytical thing right now? Go ahead. The Blue Jays seem to like each other. Yeah. The Yankees, I don't see that in the dugout as much as I see the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. The, I, I mean, it's tough for us to say because, like, obviously we're not there. Yeah. We don't know, but we're not, we're not even. I like. like I feel like the members. way they they play on the field does reflect the way they feel about each other. Like yeah. that seems to be a thing. The Blue Jays are. I mean, like they're firing on all cylinders right now. Like they're really, like. What's the, you know, like I, their bullpen is like the consensus biggest weakness. But how how worried really are you about that that holding them back? Yeah, not 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 too worried. Like uh... Jordan Romano is still a very good closer. They have a couple guys in there who you know can shut it down when needed. Um, yeah, like yeah. I'm worried because it's all it's all relative too. Like I'm worried about the Blue Jays bullpen, but I'm also worried about the Red Sox bullpen mm-hmm. and the Yankees bullpen. Yeah. Uh, they haven't been, they haven't been the best as of late. They really, the, the Blue Jays really have two particularly strong bullpen pitchers. Everyone else is kind of meh, but I mean, like right now, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not holding the Blue Jays back that much because of their bullpen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard not to be confident in the Blue Jays right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It, I mean, I already said, <laughs> I already said, what was it like, uh, th- two or three weeks ago that the A's were going to be sticking around. Yeah, I can back off that now. I think you have to. I mean, yeah. they, already, they already haven't. I just don't. I just don't want to be wrong once again. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like the Yank, the Yankees are are gonna bounce back. It's a matter of when, and if it's a matter of when it's if it's gonna. But be are too they late. though? I. Here's the thing. I'm very unsure on the Yankees. They're so inconsistent. Yeah, like it's been a complete roller coaster all year. Like there's some graphic where it's like the Yankees like first 15 games, next 30 games, the next 28 games, the next 15 games, the next it, it just yeah. keeps going up and down and up and down and up and down. They're on the downswing right now. They need to get back as soon as they can because like this race is only going to get more competitive. If Boston starts winning and if Toronto keeps playing that way, the Yankees are going to have to play at a really, really high level to make the playoffs because the division's out. Like Tampa Bay has the division wrapped up. Yeah. Like they're nine games up. <laughs> I don't really care. They don't like they're going to be fine. I they mean, can cruise the finish. I mean, they can cruise to the number one seed in the American League if they really wanted to. Yeah, they've got to go eleven and eight to get a one hundred win season. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, they'll they'll probably get yeah they'll probably get a 100 win season too and get that top spot in the in the American League, just amazingly. Uh, I'm a little more confident in the Red Sox position because they're facing Baltimore six times. Yeah, uh, that's nice. That's nice to see from a Red Sox perspective. Uh, they're also you got to take like at least five or six. They're also playing the Nationals uh, three times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, that's on the last. And that, not only that, but like. That's to end the season. They play the Nationals, so like that team's oh, just yeah. that team's just they. I mean, they're gonna play the way they have. I don't like. I don't since know the trade deadline. How much are the Nationals gonna care about playing spoiler to a team that's out of their league? Literally. Yeah, I, I don't like know. if it's Baltimore. Then sure, maybe there is a little bit more of a fire to them because 
they would like to beat a team in their division and get them out of the playoffs just for another team in their division to get in. But, like, I don't know. How much are the Nationals really going to care about that? It'd also be Kyle Schwarber's homecoming, <laughs> I guess, even though he played all of three months there. Yeah. Uh, we will never forget June of 2021. Yeah, so Toronto faces Tampa Bay six times, but they faced Minnesota seven times. Surprising that they haven't played them at all yet. Yeah, I noticed that. Um yeah, I think a lot of it is also going to have to do with the like Red Sox Yankees matchups, Blue Jays Yankees matchups, how that goes down. Yeah, I mean, I don't I I have no idea what's going to happen. I can confidently say that. Yep. Uh that's that's the I only... think the thing you can say with the most confidence is that the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs. Um it has to be, right? With the most confidence? Like if there was one thing you had to put out there and swear by it among the AL wild card takes that you have. Would it be Blue Jays make the playoffs? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. George Springer could be coming back. I mean, I think George Springer. Yeah, is probably, already, I think he is already. I think he's back. already in there. Yeah. Um, I Randall like Grichuk hit a home run off a lefty this week. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not someone who's like biased or anything, at least on this show. But the Red Sox strength of schedule is promising. I, I like where they're. I would say I'm a little more confident in the Red Sox. Not okay. not because of their momentum, not because of their roster, but because of what they have left. Because uh, the the average winning percentage of the opponent their opponents they're facing uh, is 438, which is pretty low. Uh, so I'll, I'll say Red Sox for now, but it will probably change in the next three days yep. uh, as, as this AL wild card keeps, uh, keeps getting crazier. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess that leads into players to highlight. Um, now for our, we got, uh, Monday, September 13th, 2021 edition of, so who do you got for us today? So we talked very briefly about the Mets today, Francisco Lindor, Javier, you know, he and Baez are better together. So let's talk about the Baez portion of it. Uh, since the thumbs down incident, Javier Baez is slashing 417, 472, 750 for a 1222 OPS. That is since August 31st, the thumbs down incident. His 229 weighted runs created plus leads the National League. He also has a 153 weighted runs created plus since joining the Mets, which leads the team in that time frame. And for reference, when Yoenna Cespedes played for the Mets in 2015 and universally was looked at as one of the best, like, transactions that franchise ever made he had a 156 weighted runs created plus with them that is only three points higher than what Baez has done in the time that he's been there so they're yeah. they're playing virtually on the same level when you really look at it that way Baez also leads the national league and expected batting average with a 368 and expected slugging with a 699 in this time his barrel rate is up six percent in the stretch his average exit velocity is up two per two miles per hour and his launch angle chris is down five degrees that is substantial difference between the two. Before this stretch, 11.3% of his batted balls were above 45 degrees. You never want that. Yeah. And in this stretch, it's 2.8%. Uh, uh-huh. among, uh, that is the tie for the fourth lowest among the 165 hitters with 25-plus batted balls in this time. And some of the players with a higher rate of batted balls being above 45 degrees include, but are not limited to, Nicky Lopez, David Fletcher, and Luis Arise. Yeah, Javier Baez is keeping it on the ground better than those guys. Yep, yep, yep. 
and and he's hitting uh, line drives. Yep. Um, I'm glad this doesn't happen very often, but we do have a consensus yeah. here. Uh, it hasn't happened in a while. I don't think it's. I think it, it happened, happened with Brian Reynolds. Yeah, it, it's. It happens a little more with slightly alarming because I feel like there's less options. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I feel like a consensus overall this year has happened maybe two or, or I think three. It's twice. Th- it's been twice. I think it's been Brian Reynolds, Cody Bellinger. Oh, and well, that was a slightly alarming. Chris yeah. Bryant. I thought you were just talking about how about that's. But yeah, how about that's. This is only the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Javier Baez. I chose a 10-game sample. I, I, didn't, I didn't go with the storyline because the uh, – the, the last 10 games has, has represented him um, very, very well. Uh, in his last 10 games, hitting 486 with a 1428 OPS. Uh, out of 175 qualifiers, that ranks first in average, fifth in on base percentage, fourth in slugging, third in OPS, and first in F War. Uh, before the span, his strikeout rate was 35.4%, and in the span, his strikeout rate is down to 22%, 13 percentage point difference, uh, or a little over that as well. Uh, before the span, his average exit velocity was 89.9 miles per hour. And in the span, it is 93.8 miles per hour. Uh, before the span, his barrel rate was 12.9%. And in the span, his barrel rate is 25%, uh, almost double. And before the span, this is actually, this has to do with a little bit with uh, the launch angle point uh, you were getting across. Before the span, his line drive weight was, his line drive rate was 17.6%. But in the span, it is 32.1%. It's almost jumped up 15 percentage points. And it's a thing where, like, you know, sometimes guys just do a little better. But maybe here there might be a little uh, mechanical adjustment that uh, Javier Baez made because, I mean, the line drive difference is uh, is very big, at least in this 10-game stretch. So uh, Javier Baez, from both of us, getting a... I feel like any time you have a 10-plus game stretch where your OPS is better than that of Barry Bonds in 2004, and you're not getting a lot of national attention, that should be a 100% how about that rate. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that cannot, that's that's a, that's a bad on our part if we let that happen from here on out. Yeah, yeah, we had to be on top of that. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's it's like if um, in basketball, if, if two guys are going for the same rebound, you know, <laughs> it's not the worst thing. It's better than no no guys getting the rebound. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that go now we go from the highs to the lows talking about players or subjects that have been underperforming uh for our Mondays, September 13th, 2021 edition of slightly alarming. Uh who do you got for us today? So I'm looking at a guy who was a two, 2021 All-Star who hasn't performed the same way since and even really before that. Yusei Kakuchi is one and five with a 5.93 ERA and 5.26 FIP in his last 12 starts, dating back to July 7th. And you know, I know that we're an analytical podcast, and the Mariners are an analytical team, so they're not looking at his one and five record, and nor should they. But there is something to be said about a guy having one win in 12 starts and still being put out there every fifth day. Right. Like that. Right. There is something to be said about that. Both uh, his 5.93 ERA and 5.26 FIP are the third worst among 50 qualifiers since then. Uh, he does have a 3.56 BABIP against, which leads all qualifiers, but he's walking 4.21 batters per nine. So, you know, mm-hmm. you could have a 1,000 BABIP against, but you're not doing yourself any favors if you're walking that many guys. Yeah. His hard hit rate in the span is 54.1%. <laughs> uh, easily the highest 
of the 143 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls against. And lastly, opponents are slashing 294, 376, 536, 912 in this time. I don't think a lot of people really realize how crazy bad a 912 OPS is when it's opponents against the pitcher. Because, like, if a batter has a 912 OPS... That means, you know, that guy with a 912 OPS can only come up one of it, one out of every 9 times. But I mean, this is every guy who steps up against Kikuchi for 2 plus months yeah. with a 912 OPS. Like it's it's essentially like someone of that caliber is coming up every single time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like you yeah, it's like he's facing the uh the NL All-Star team mm-hmm. uh every every um every, yeah, every uh, every time he goes out there. And yeah, he's not not doing the best. Yusei Kikuchi, uh, Yusei Kikuchi is getting a slightly alarming. Um, was he was he ever a how about that or I don't know. I talked about him briefly, but I never did a full. Yeah. Um. So no freeze over for Yusei. Mm-hmm. Uh. My, uh. My slightly alarming is actually a very similar type of pitcher, a lefty soft throwing, uh, guy, Dallas Keuchel who I would say you could argue has been slightly alarming all year. Uh, in his last four starts, he has a 12.89 ERA in 14 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, out of 199 pitchers with 10-plus innings pitched in this span, his ERA is the highest. Uh, he is getting unlucky, I will say. Uh, the FIP ERA difference is very significant. Uh, Which is surprising, considering he strikes out like three guys per nine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just he's not giving up as many home runs as a guy with a 12 ERA would. But even with him getting unlucky, he still has the eighth highest ex, uh, expected WOBA against uh, out of 113 pitchers with 250 plus pitches in this span. So he's still, you know, even the expected stats, he's not doing very well at all. And uh, throughout the year as a whole, uh, his he has a 6.10 expected ERA. So Dallas Keuchel, uh, clearly not the same guy that he, he used to be, and uh, uh, this has been emphasized over the past four stars with a 12.89 ERA, and he is getting a... Slightly alarming. Um, so... I'm genuinely curious to see if he makes the playoff roster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you can make a... I mean, like, they have... They have four better starters. Yeah. Like, they have Lynn, they have Cease... They have Rodon, Giolito. Rodon, yeah, Giolito. Is Giolito off the IL yet? Yes. Okay. I believe so. So yeah, that, they had all three of those guys on the IL, but then I can check. They're back now. Or at least, if he's not, he will be by the time the playoffs start. Okay, that's that's a good sign. You'd hate. To nope, just he's see. still in the. Okay, he's still in the IL, but I mean, he'll be he'll be back by the time the playoffs start. What was the specific injury? Uh, you're gonna make me look this up too, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get my. I, I gotta get my laptop situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fixed. Uh, strained right hamstring. Now. Yeah, he should. He'll be That's back. Not great. He's got to be back. How come they haven't taken Lance Lynn off the IL yet on fan graphs? He literally pitched the other <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> he became the the most innings pitched on the IL in baseball history. <laughs> that makes no sense. Oh, it literally says will return on nine twelve, but he's still just there. Yeah. Oh, look, it says Giolito will return tomorrow. Does that mean he's starting tomorrow? I mean, it would, but let me just check it. Oh, he doesn't say on uh, doesn't say on MLB.com, but 
On Fangraphs, it says he will return on September 14th, which is tomorrow. So Nice. Well, that's he's, good. He's, basi- he's basically off the IL. We'll call it. Yeah. We're saying above, you know, from uh, sources say, sources above replacement radio, he's off the IL pretty yeah. much. Um, it's hilarious just seeing on the MLB app just – Wainwright, fifteen and seven with a two nine eight. It's like who, I did not expect. <laughs> who this. are you? Yeah, is it twenty fourteen again? Uh, yeah. All right. So I guess that uh, that leads into our previews of the week ahead. Uh, it starts with me. I'm I'm looking at series to watch. Daniel will go over the day by day matchups. Uh, all right. We got. So yeah, as you mentioned before. We're gonna have a lot of Padres versus series. Yep. Giants Padres. We just, you know, will the Padres collapse? And if they do, how quickly? Uh, and if they don't, you know, that's a very good story to watch. But they're facing the Giants in what seems to be uh, it's either a three or four game set. Uh, is there a game Thursday? Yeah, it's a four game set. So this could say this could be a lot for the Padres. Um, and then. Another series to watch is Blue Jays Rays. That is uh, that starts on Tuesday night, uh, and that will go through not Thursday. Well, I guess it's only a two-game series then, unless they're also playing tonight. Uh, Wednesday, do they play today? Oh, they do play today. So it's a three-game series. It starts on Monday. Sorry about that. Uh, and it's going to be yeah a three-game series. Uh, the Blue Jays riding a lot of momentum, but they were facing the Orioles, so let's see how they fare against uh, the best team in the Amer- American League, record-wise at least. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. Uh, yeah, so Blue Jays-Rays and Giants-Padres. Who do you got for the day-by-day matchups? So, t- today on Monday, you have Sandy Alcantara going for the Marlins against the Nationals. You have Colin McHugh and Alec Manoa facing each other in Rays-Blue Jays. I know Colin McHugh used to be a starter. I wonder if they could have him go like five today. That could um, be interesting. Yeah, it just depends how how much they like. I don't know what the training is like there. I don't know if you can just go from being a bullpen guy to throwing mm-hmm. five innings. But he, we'll could probably, he, he could probably go three or four. Yeah. Uh, you have Hugh Darvish going tonight for the Padres against the Giants. You have Zach Gallen and Clayton Kershaw facing each other in Diamondbacks and Dodgers. Matchup of the night, unequivocally, comes from Cardinals-Mets. You have Adam Wainwright going against Rich Hill. <laughs> I have to shout out uh, Jessica Brand on this. She she helped me out. This is the 56th game since 1901 where two pitchers in their 40s will face each other. The most recent was Blue Jays and Mets on June 18th of 2015 where it was Bartolo Colon versus R.A. Dickey. Great. Follow uh, at Jessica D. Brand on Twitter. Very good sabermetrician. There we go. Um, so you have on Tuesday, Nathan Eovaldi going for the Red Sox against the Mariners. Wade Miley going for the Reds against the Pirates. You have the all-Peralta matchup in uh, Brewers-Tigers, Freddie versus Willie. Wow. Yeah, you have... Garrett Cole going for the Yankees against the Orioles. That is a must-win game for them. I don't care what the standings look like going into tomorrow. You have Drew Rasmussen versus Jose Barrios in Rays-Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman going for the Mets against the Cardinals. Uh, John Gray going for the Rockies against the Braves in Atlanta against Tuki Toussaint. Zach Greinke going for the Astros against the Rangers in Arlington. 
Lucas Giolito allegedly coming off the IL to face the Angels uh, on Tuesday. You have Anthony DiSclefani facing the Padres for the Giants. You have Frankie Montas facing the Royals for the A's. You have Tony Gonsolin facing the the Diamondbacks for the Dodgers. Matchup of the night comes in game one of a doubleheader between Guardians and Twins. Tristan McKenzie versus Joe Ryan, who uh, carried a no-hitter into the late innings in his last start. Hmm. That's a guy you should be watching for because he is very underrated. So now going into Wednesday, uh, last day on the docket for right now. Not a whole great, not a whole lot of good matchups in general, but um, you know, a couple good starters going. Uh, Marco Gonzalez will be going for the Mariners against the Red Sox. Um, very good trending pitcher. Yes. Brandon Woodruff will be going for the Brewers against the Tigers. John Means will be going for the Orioles against the Yankees. Ranger Suarez will be going for the Phillies against the Cubs. Uh, Hoscar Yanoa will be going for the Braves against the Rockies. Cal Quantrill will be going for the Guardians against the Twins. Jose Urquidy will be going for the Astros against the Rangers. Sean Manaya will be going for the A's against the Royals. Joe Musgrove will be going for the Padres against the Giants. Julio Urias will look, will look for win number 18 against the Diamondbacks this year. Matchup of the night comes from Rays Blue Jays, Michael Waka versus Robbie Ray. Um, Waka has pitched reasonably well over his last couple starts in short innings in his starts and Robbie Ray is obviously in the Cy Young conversation. Yep, yep, exactly. Um so that does it for yeah, it does. uh above replacement radio. First time in this building. It is so hot in this room. It it truly is. I can it, it makes me it makes me yearn for winter, really. <laughs> no, I can never do that. I mean, yeah, I I hate winter, but I, you know, this is, this is still I'm, better than winter. Yeah. Every time I'm in here, I just wish it was, you know, five degrees cooler in the, at least in the building. We should just bring fans next time, even though they'll be making noise in the background. Who cares? Um, yeah, that would be, that would be nice. I, I, yeah. I don't, and this stuff is, this equipment is good enough. I don't think they would really pick up that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a fan in my room. I do too. We'll just bring them. We'll just, yeah, we'll, that'll be part of the, part of the package. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs and whatever stat graphics, if you like that. Uh, or if you want to see what our top 10 uh, stat cast, top 10 players we wish we had stat cast for in a picture, go there. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where we are talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. You know, with all this baseball talk, it's uh, it's easy to forget about the Springfield College diving team. But they should not be forgotten. As uh, I've heard from many people, and you know, many is a relative term, but I've heard from many that the dive team is mad cool. In fact... That's the only thing I hear about the Springfield College dive team, is that they're mad cool. So, you know, among the, all the rest of this, uh, all this baseball talk, let us not forget about that. This conversation. This conversation. Is over. Is over.